Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Recovery Machine. I am your co-host, Corey, and I'm here as always with co-host Nathan. Good evening, Nathan. How are you? Good evening, co-host Corey. I am uh, a little hot and a little bothered, you know? Yeah. A little, uh, <laughs> it's a little too humid out there. I, I, I think you're kind of feeling the same way. I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, we're we're uh, full disclosure. We were restarting our episode here. I was up in the attic of, of my house, which uh, hot air does in fact rise, ladies and gentlemen. And that's not why we are restarting, but I was feeling it. So it's actually nice to be down in the cool of my kitchen here. So yes, we've made a great scientific discovery. Uh, just as an aside, we weren't even intending <laughs> right. to do that. So that's the type of information you can get here on recovery machine. That's right. So we're I wanted to have a little bit of discussion because we are um, rapidly approaching August 31st, which is International Overdose Awareness Day. And it is hard in the province that we live in, in with the current state of, of overdose, with the state of our healthcare system, um, with the state of staffing in our healthcare system, and with our political climate, which we will get into, uh, to not feel a little bit of cynicism about the idea of an of an overdose awareness day because if we are aware is that the same as we care so nathan do you want to just tell us how that how the notion of an overdose awareness day lands for you sure yeah it i think it lands differently here in bc than it would elsewhere where they do have uh, legitimate harm reduction programs that have been in place for a long time or places like Spain and Portugal, where they've they've taken a more realistic approach to the whole thing with decriminalization and taking a more, um, I guess, a humanity uh, uh, type of approach where they appear to care about whether or not people die. Um, yeah, that's pretty cynical right there. Uh, <laughs> I Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble with uh, the way this is continuing on here because I think maybe before when we when we started the podcast and uh, we've learned learned quite a bit in that time, yeah, right? We, we've sure. talked to some people who know much much more than we do. We've talked to people who uh, like Garth Mullins, who's who you know he's actively he's on the front lines down in uh, one of the densest uh, population areas where many kind of political events unfold uh, for one you know one way or the other. And I guess I'm feeling like maybe there's more at play here than just bad politics. Maybe this is this is something that is never going to, you know, I, I, I'm losing faith. I'm losing hope, I guess. And I, I think it's not that I ever had a lot of faith in the political system as it stands right now. I know we've, there's many, many issues going on across the globe we've got a lot of problems and i i think you know everybody is probably a little too aware of that as it is right now after you know the the few years that we've had here but this particular problem bothers me not just because it uh, you know i've got a, a personal experience that uh, maybe gives me more empathy than others towards it it's that there is such an easy fix as far as logistics are concerned it's not like this is a mystery. I mean, it's not like there's a virus that we don't know how to deal with um, no. or we don't have a vaccine for. This is a problem that's been kicked around for years. This is uh, the seventh year we're going into with this. It was declared an emergency in 2016, right? 
And uh, what, you know, the problem seems to just be getting worse. And mm -hmm. it's not a mystery why it's getting worse. We know all the mechanisms that are at play that are making it worse, like the the Iron Curtain of Prohibition. Yeah. <laughs> um, at play where the drugs, you know, the harder you crack down on supply of illicit drugs, the more potent they're going to get for to be able to smuggle them. Uh, you, you know, th these guys are running these illicit operations are trying to get as much profitable illicit drugs into the country as they can per shipment. And, I'm, you know, they're probably facing all sorts of different shipment con uh, shipping concerns themselves. Right. So I'm watching this play out exactly as you would expect it to play out. Meanwhile, there's a solution that would save how many lives? I don't know how many lives at this rate. Uh, we're going to talk about the numbers, I, I guess, a little bit, mm -hmm. but it just it, it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around. And if yeah. these are the people, uh, you know, Malcolmson, uh, Adrian Dix, Horgan, if these people I don't know, do they have what do you do you, do you think they have the uh, could they do something about it if they want it? That's a question like Sheila yes. Malcolmson. Do you think she has the authority or the the means to do something about it? Do you think she could do something? I think it's I think it's multifactorial. I think that if there was a, a collaborative effort, it, that's what would be needed. You know, in terms of um, the actual policy, in terms of the healthcare system, in terms of policing. So there's a lot of different components of that to put together. But absolutely, if the mm -hmm. political because we have we have seen and like our friend Garth Mullen cited on on CBC this week. The, the political will was certainly there when the pandemic hit and the, the level of collaboration and the level of cooperation between systems to create policy fast, you know, put action in forwards that was going to generate fast change to save lives. We are capable of doing that. We know that, right? Yeah. The emergency, uh, once emergency status was granted, then it's supposed to be a lot easier to pass slots. I mean, that's what the whole yeah. purpose of being in a state of emergency is. It expedites, you know, making changes that are going to fix the problem. So we have been in a state of emergency for all this time, years and years. So still, yeah. I mean, the, it's not like they've toned down the uh, the level of urgency, at least on paper. But yeah, that's, I mean, I've compared this to the pandemic in all sorts of different ways financially is probably the most interesting one, but it, uh, it's, yeah, you're, you're probably right there. And that's probably the right way to look at it is that the mechanisms are there. The mechanisms are in place for measures to be taken that would even ones that are so dramatic or drastic, it, you know, it's for some people, it, let's, uh, let's consider, you know, safe supply on a, on a grand scale. Okay. All of a sudden we're actually going to stop this problem and we're going to implement safe supply at a reasonable price. You're going to go down. It's going to be just like a liquor store, whatever you want. There's going to be no judgment on your, your dosing. There'll be education programs. It'd be, you know, supplied with whatever uh, harm reduction you want, but it's going to be total freedom autonomy model. Mm -hmm. And we're going to wipe out all the illicit uh, drugs that are coming in and are filled with garbage. Yeah. That could be done. Absolutely. It could. It's hard to, to understand or uh, predict what the, 
what the political ramifications of that would be if you're somebody who's in power right now. I yeah. suspect <laughs> that that would push many British Columbians further to the right or the conservative political sphere than they already are. I mean, am I, am I, is that a correct assumption or a safe assumption to make? I would going to take it a step further than that. And we're going to get into a newspaper article in just a second here that highlights an example of this. But I think any notion that, that we have any political party, at least of the, of the big sort of two or three in our province that are at all left-leaning or maybe they pretend to be, but based on the policy that is coming forward and, and the action that is being put forward towards homelessness, towards overdose, and this whole subject matter, to me, they're all right-leaning on this one. I, I don't see anything progressive happening. I think this business that they're, you know, that they're able to say that they they tried safe supply and it didn't work, which is what what they are now saying um, when they haven't really <laughs> tried safe supply. Um, so let, let's be, cause there's lots to talk about. Let's, let's go into the statistics a little bit. And then I've got this other article to share. So the least of the point, the BC chief coroner and the BC coroner service released the on August 16th. So this is kind of pretty fresh, a fresh document. Um, they released some new stats for the year so far. So on the infographic page that was put forward on the government of BC site, um, six deaths per day, a total of uh, 1,095 suspected uh, illicit toxic drug deaths, equating to a rate of 41.6 deaths per 100,000. Uh, 78% of those deaths were male. 73% of those were aged 30 to 59. 56% uh, of all deaths occurred in a private residence. 27% were uh, in other residences, like they said, um, social and supportive housing, single room oc occupancy, um, buildings, shelters, hotels. And 15% were outdoor, which is a pretty staggering difference between indoor and outdoor, I think. Um, that is interesting. It is. It, what do you make of that? I don't know. I mean, I would have to see the breakdown per month because uh, it would, I mean, those numbers would obviously make sense uh, earlier in January and February, March, maybe. But like by last month, you would expect, although, I mean, we need to know how many of those inside deaths are solo deaths because that's the most dangerous so yeah i wonder i wonder what the stats would be sp specifically for june when or even maybe april may when it was kind of nicer where you know it's it's nice pre preferable to be outside even yeah. if you're outside you're probably not using by yourself or if you are you're at least you have the chance of somebody seeing you right yes but it, it triggers the same thought for me that when I hear 56% of the deaths were inside, it makes me think that, that those folks were alone. Mm -hmm. um, that does seem is, high. Yeah, it does seem high. And that just to me is, is a, a stat that really sort of makes me sad. What do you think about the fact that 73% of the deaths are amongst men? Do you have any, any thought on that? Like that's a pretty staggeringly lopsided statistic. Yeah, no, I, I look at that and I've looked at it. I mean, each year, I think it's been skewed in that uh, in that demographic. And I, I, I think it, you know, this is an, another reason why I, I looked at this a lot differently than I, I did the pandemic. The pandemic was largely claiming lives that were, you know, had a lot of comorbidities or it was uh, older folks. You know, uh, most people who died were over 85, something like that. 
Um, but it wasn't taking nearly as many people who are, I guess, in their what you'd call productive years, right? So I don't know what the impact of that is going to be down the road. I mean, we've got all these different things piling up here, right? Like we have no idea what the, the restrictions that we just went through uh, and the economical ramifications uh, from that situation. We don't know what it's done to our immune systems for our kids. I mean, there's all sorts of different factors there, but this thing that's been going on quietly in the background, I mean, relatively very quietly in comparison to everything else is basically taking out the core productivity forces. Is there a lot of our, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids without fathers. There's going to be, it's, it's kind of like wartime in a, in a way, I mean, slightly older demographic, but still i think the same kind of results it's mm -hmm. it's going to do some weird things to the way our population looks in north america 10 20 years down the line if we make it that far <laughs> i uh i don't know how that's going to shape things but it's you know i think maybe you're asking why why is that uh you know why are those people uh, overdosing at a higher rate yeah it's a that's a good question. I don't have a, I, I've thought about it, but I, you know, I don't have a, a theory that, uh, that really clicks for me. I mean, men tend to take more risk, generally speaking. It could be that body adjusted doses are maybe exponential for some of these adulterants. So, mm. you know, you, your usual dose that's twice as big as a, a woman's because of, you know, you weigh 200 pounds, she weighs hundred pounds, whatever the situation is, the weight disparity there. And then if you've got, because drugs have different clearance factors based on, you know, some of them are, they clear at an exponential rate. Some of them clear at a, a steady state rate. Um, so there could be things going on there where it's not because there's so many different substances in fentanyl and in e even crack. They've got uh, they've got the, this blue crack that's going around right now. That's all full mm -hmm. of xylocaine, and mm -hmm. uh, they found a what the hell was it a insecticide or something? I don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, yeah, it, it could be something to do with that. Just the dose size, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any theories on that one? Well, I think those are some interesting things that you've suggested there. Some things that I hadn't uh, hadn't thought about. What I'm about to say, I don't have a, a greater explanation for, but I think that I think that if you look at suicide rates amongst men, uh, they are significantly higher. I think if you look at suicide, the the types of suicides that occur amongst men, they are typically more uh, violent and finite. And I think there's something. I think I I don't think that that is without correlation in terms of the uh, the overdose deaths that and you know the the term that I hear amongst the community I hear the term not not universally but not infrequently either you know that just that 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 voice that says fuck it yeah yeah and that that is what they are that is the feeling that they are fighting yeah and I, and I and I I hear that explicitly from people that that, that is what their voice is saying to them and mm. that is what they are trying to be up against and so whether it's a, like a violent suicide or it's not giving a shit about how much dope you use or how, you know, how uh, unknown it is or what the source is and just saying, ah, oh, forget it. Who cares mm -hmm. that, that, that may be higher amongst men. And because when I think about the people who I've heard say that those are men who say that, I think more commonly. Yeah. I, 
I think you've definitely you've definitely got something there. I feel that the poly substance use has a lot to do with these deaths as well. In that, the way I look at somebody, if it, say you, your drug of choice is an opiate like heroin, and now that it's hard to get heroin, harder to get heroin, easier, cheaper to get fentanyl. That is maybe not really what you're looking for, and it contains a bunch of other stuff that maybe now you're. Uh, like because of benzo dope, maybe you're thinking you better get a stim with that, right? So yeah, you're getting some up with your down when you normally wouldn't, and that exposes you to extra indirect risks, right? Yeah. So if there was a supply of accessible, cheap, you know, whatever your drug of choice is, then you've got what you are looking for, and the rest of it is is gone right away. It's like, yeah. say if alcohol was illegal, uh, prohibition, and you could only, you were uh, somebody who enjoyed drinking, but all you could get is uh, Uncle Joe's whiskey from his distillery down the road. It gives you a terrible headache, but you drink it anyway. It gives you a headache all the way through, you know, and it also kind of hurts your eyes and makes things a little more blurry than normal alcohol. You don't yeah. pay attention to it, but you just take a little more uh, Advil or a little more Tylenol or whatever, you know, like, that's a indirect effect of that drug not being properly regulated. And now that, that person is at risk of a GI bleed down the road. Yeah. These are indirect factors that all play into, you know, how this, how these numbers get to where they are. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of is it seems to me that there is a lot more social support for women and children, which I'm I believe that those are uh, that's money well spent and that sure. uh, those supports are much needed. And I have absolutely no issue with that. It may play a factor with with the demographic as far as it might be harder for men to find a place to get help. Yeah, I don't know the data on that either, Nathan, but I think there's I think there's something there, too. And I think what we're essentially saying here in, in our back and forth is that there are there are many reasons for this. Um but it's uh, it's a fascinating number to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is odd. It's not. I wouldn't predict it. You know, if if somebody told me that this was going to be something that was going on, and you're you're going to have to deal with it, and you're looking down the road as a as somebody who is in charge of trying to fix it, you wouldn't necessarily suspect that kind of disparity. Yeah, I wouldn't anyway. No, no, same. The other thing that's interesting is, is in terms of by region, the, the number of deaths went up quite significantly, I think most significantly in, in the Northern health region of our province, which is interesting as it, you know, as in our province, and I think in every province across uh, Canada, as you go North, it gets far more remote and, and spread out, but these drugs are traveling up there now. Oh, we yeah. also know that it is a fact that some of these Northern communities have much uh, higher density of, of an indigenous population. Mm-hmm. which is interesting. And, and again, it's sort of a sad commentary on, on the state of our politics too, that again, what we are, what is being said in our country is not necessarily in line with what is actually happening on no, the streets no. of our country. Not at all. No. No.